Well, good morning, church family. It is a pleasure having you all with us as we worship this morning. It's June 14th. It's hard to believe that we're almost halfway through June and where is the time going? If you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're with us. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And believe it or not, today, this Sunday is our last Sunday looking at the Sermon on the Mount. But before we dive in and open up the scriptures to Matthew chapter seven, I wanna do a real quick review. Last week, we were looking at where Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. And it is a call to prayer. And one of the practical challenges I challenged all of us last week, and I've changed it just a little bit, but with everything that's going on, just with the pandemic and all the, just the social and political upheaval, even the economic crisis, there's four things that I want us to do. The first one is to pray. The second thing is to repent. The third thing is to learn. There is so much we need to learn about who we are as humans, our society, our culture, but more than anything else, we need to be learners of the scripture. And then number four, serve. We are ambassadors for Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified and we are his servants for Jesus' sake. If you open your Bibles here to Matthew chapter seven, and we're gonna look at it here real, real quickly, but we're looking at, you know, the firm foundation. And one of my questions that I'm gonna be asking over and over today is what foundation are you building your life upon? And there are tons of foundations, but what is the foundation that you're building your life on? About two weeks ago, I always pull my phone out and every day, at least 20 times, I'm looking at the weather. And I'm sure many of you guys like to go look at the weather or maybe you don't like it, but when storms are coming, you look at it all the time. And so on the weather app, I open it up and there's a video of a tiny little town, I believe in Norway, that in less than one minute sunk into the sea. And it was amazing just watching the video. There are about 15 houses in this little bitty town. It was a coastal town in Norway. And the sea, it just, it just the sea enveloped this town. I was like, man, what is going on? It looks like there's this big tidal wave. But what had happened is that the ground that all these houses were built on was kind of like a sandy clay and it was very unstable. And in a matter of seconds, it was underwater. And it made me really think as I was studying this passage today, about what foundation we're building our house on. Here in Matthew chapter seven, I'm gonna read just a couple passages. And we're gonna look at a couple verses we looked at last week, verse 13 and 14, but then we'll go through the rest of the passage. But there's four warnings that Jesus is giving. And if you've ever driven down a road that had warning signs because there was a wreck or maybe potholes or maybe even construction, and they've got detour, they got flashing lights, maybe even yellow tape or orange cones, or maybe even police officers directing you one way or sign people directing you another way, telling you to go slow, be careful. Jesus is giving four very dire warnings to all of us as he's wrapping up this sermon here. Look at what he says here in verse 13 and 14. And I'll go real quickly with this one. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. There are two ways. There's the narrow road, there's the narrow gate, and then there's the broad road. And it says that the broad road and the broad gate, many find it and it leads to destruction. Say it, destruction. But Jesus says the narrow gate and the narrow way, it's hard to find and few find it. And to get on that narrow way, it's putting our faith in Jesus. But it's not just saying a simple little prayer to avoid or to get fire insurance or to avoid hell. What it is, it's putting your faith in Christ. And Jesus says, if you wanna be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow 
him. It's hard and we can't do it with our own strength, but through the presence and power of Holy Spirit, we can. So this is the first kind of warning sign that Jesus is giving and he's also commanding, enter the narrow gate. Are you on that narrow road that leads to the narrow gate that leads to life? As we continue here in verse 15, Jesus says, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their fruit. Back in Jesus' day, one of the people groups that Jesus criticized the most were the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law were godly, holy men who truly loved the Lord. And many of them came to know Jesus. But many of the scribes and Pharisees, they were hypocrites. And they were what Jesus calls wolves, ferocious wolves, ravaging wolves in sheep's clothing. And Jesus says, be careful of the hypocrites because what do ravaging wolves do? They destroy the flock. And Jesus, God calls us sheep. And we, as sheep, we desperately need shepherds. We desperately need to be protected. We can't really defend ourselves. And there will be men and women who profess to be church leaders, Christians, prophets, teachers, and they might have incredible ministries or an, or, or an amazing way to teach and preach and lead. But in reality, they're ravaging wolves and they want only to destroy. There's this concept called the circle of truth. And the circle of truth is God's truth. And he wants us to walk and live and stand in that circle of truth. For Satan, he could care less which side of the circle of truth we will fall off on. And I use this example because with the ravaging wolves, with the hypocrites, with the false prophets, they might be teaching, it might be another religion. It could be a sect of Christianity that looks a whole lot like Christians, but in reality, they're not. Or it could be the prosperity gospel that promises health, wealth, and happiness on this side of eternity, which is not true at all. Jesus teaches all throughout that if we wanna live a holy, godly life, we will be persecuted. And scripture is very clear that the world will hate us. Yes, Jesus promises peace. He promises joy. He promises that he will provide everything that we need, not what we want. And so there again, there can be many people who could come teaching and preaching in Jesus' name, but they're preaching a false gospel. So it is vital that we know what the scriptures say. And Jesus says right here, he says, we'll know them by their fruit. I love Jesus's teaching. They're so simple. He says, look at what he says here in verse um, 15 or verse 16. He says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And then he goes on to say, a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will produce bad fruit. How hard does it, how hard is it for an apple tree to produce apples? How hard is it for an apple tree to produce onions? Impossible. If we are walking and living in the presence of Jesus, we will naturally bear good fruit. But here's Jesus' warning. 
Not only does he warn us against false prophets, but Jesus also says, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut off and thrown into fire. So my question for you, my question for me is, are you bearing fruit? Are the people you're following, are they bearing fruit? What is that fruit? Well, first and foremost, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of Holy Spirit. Now, you and I, we can't produce that fruit on our own. But if we love Jesus, if we've surrendered to him, and if we allow Holy Spirit to live in and through us, giving us power to walk in obedience, we will naturally produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Another example of fruit is just the life of Christ. Scripture says that whoever affirms or claims that they love Jesus, they will live like him. They'll imitate him. So those of us who love Jesus and declare and say, man, I love Jesus, he will naturally, through the power and presence of Holy Spirit, produce his character in your life and in mine. So my question for you and me, as we look at Jesus and his next warning here, is what type of fruit is being produced in your life? My prayer is that it truly be the life and character of Jesus, the fruit of Holy Spirit. As we move on here into verse 21 to 23, these three verses here can be some of the scariest verses in all of scripture. Look at what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. Did you hear that? Not everyone will, who, who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of Jesus' Father. On that day, many will say to, him, to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Jesus says, I never knew you. You know, for many evangelists, and I've heard a thousand and one uh, evangelistic messages, I've given tons of them. And one of the questions I've always asked is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And I'm sure you've heard that. Do you know Jesus? But maybe the more important question is this. Does Jesus know you? Now, obviously he's the son of God. He's God incarnate. He's the second person of the Trinity. Of course he knows you. But what Jesus is referring to here is that intimate, personal relationship that we can have. So my question is, does Jesus know you as friend? We need to heed these words very carefully. You know, just because we go to church, just because we're part of a small group, just because we own five Bibles, or maybe we come on Sundays, or maybe just worship, I know it's a lot different now. But you know what? Just because you go into McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. And going through a car wash doesn't make you a car. So just because you're part of a church, that doesn't make you a Christian. Just because we own a Bible or even open the Bible or even maybe tithe and maybe serve, it doesn't make us a Christian. What makes us a Christian is by putting our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, allowing him to rule and reign in our lives. So my question is, does Jesus know you? That's the third, what we call in Spanish, aviso. That's the third warning. 
we move on here into verse 24. Look at what Jesus says. And we, many of us know this part of the passage here. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Say wise man. Jesus said, anyone who hears his words and he puts them into practice, he's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Look at what it says. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. It pounded the house. Yet it, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and remember Jesus' context, he's been preaching three chapters, this amazing sermon on the mountain. There's multitudes that are listening to him. But Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man. Say foolish man. Who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Now, if you've been to the beach, you know what it's like to build on sand. It reminds me of that video I saw on the Weather Channel of that small little town in Norway that was built on faulty clay, almost sand-like. And in a matter of seconds, the entire town was gone. And the one who hears Jesus' words and yet rejects him turns their back on Jesus' words as like a man or woman who builds his house on the sand. Now there's two truths for everyone in verse 24 through 27. Two truths. The first one is this. We all, every one of us, it doesn't matter how old we are, young we are, what nationality, what color we are, how wealthy or poor we are, every single one of us is building a house. The house represents our lives. We're all building a house. Number two, the storms will come. It doesn't matter if you're building your house on the rock or on the sand. The storms of life will hit us. And I love how it's described here, pounded the house. We will be pounded. All of us, to some degree or another, are being pounded right now in 2020. Is your life being built on the foundation, on the rock, on Jesus or is it built on some other type of foundation? And that other type of foundation can be anything and everything that's not Jesus. It could be your family, your career, your money, the opinions of others, pleasure. It could be your future. It could be your past. It could be anything and everything. What are you building the house of your life upon? That is Jesus' fourth warning. So very quickly in review, Jesus commands us, Enter the narrow gate. He commands us to be careful of the false prophets who are ravaging wolves disguised like sheep and they'll be known by their fruit. What type of fruit are you producing? The third thing is this, does Jesus know you? And then finally, what type of foundation are you building your life upon? You know, in closing, and I want to invite the worship team back up, I really want to encourage you to meditate on this passage, especially those last few verses there. But I really want to take the moment right now and really talk with many of you who maybe have been religious your whole life. You might have prayed the sinner's prayer 20 times, come forward, testified, maybe even been baptized three or four times. I don't know. But in reality, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus ever. 
I wanna encourage you right now. We're commanded to get on that narrow way. And that narrow way is Jesus. We're commanded to build our lives upon the rock and that rock is Jesus. And the first step in doing so is by surrendering, confessing our sins and confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Scripture says that if we confess Jesus is Lord, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And our salvation is by faith. It's through grace in Jesus Christ. It is not by works. But do not be deceived as Jesus commands us here. If we do not have the fruit, then we do not have the root. And that root is Jesus Christ. We're commanded all throughout scripture. Do not be deceived. The heart is more deceptive than anything else. So right here, right now, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can simply pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried and that you rose from the dead. And I surrender my life to you and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I wanna encourage you, if you're not part of a church, you can join us, the church at Woodbine. You can write us, you can look us up online. We would love to get you connected with a small group. We're not meeting on Sunday mornings, but we're still a church and we're still very active. And scripture commands us to continue to meet and we do so in small groups. But if that's the first time or maybe the 20th time that you've prayed that prayer, let us know. For the rest of us who are truly believers, my question for you and for me is this, what foundation are you building your life upon? My prayer for all of us is that we would build our lives on the rock who is Jesus Christ himself and allow his Holy Spirit to live in us in such a way that we would produce the fruit of Holy Spirit and that the life and character of Jesus would so shine in and through everything we say and do that when this world who is desperately fallen and broken and in darkness, when they see our good works, when they see the light of Jesus in us, they would praise our heavenly father. Let's pray. Heavenly father, we thank you and praise you for this day. And Jesus, we thank you for your great teaching. And right here at the end of Matthew 7, when you got done, it says the people were astonished because you preached with authority and you still preach today in our hearts. May we build our lives upon you, Jesus, upon your words, upon your life, and upon your work on the cross. And may we build our houses on nothing else but on you, King Jesus. Thank you. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.